0: Welcome to the Culture Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Walker, along with my co-host and brother, Ernest Childs. We're here to talk about the same old stuff we chop it up about every other day. To be real, we talk about anything, but the aim of this podcast is having an open discussion about everything. It'll be spiritually based, but in real talk, so you won't have to worry about us sugarcoating the topics. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoy recording it. And if you don't, well, there's probably somebody somewhere who think you all right. Enjoy the show.
1: This is what it like when we rollin', our asked the open. All these people like it droop, they, they could feel the ocean. They say they can't say they gay. Tell me why
0: they smoking Making waves, making ways making real commotion. This is what it sounds like when we rollin', our asked the All these people like it droop, they, they could feel the ocean, they say they Know. Okay. They won't give me a laptop, but if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go, and we can get the show on the road.
1: Yeah, I'm good when you are.
0: Great, great. So, this is the Culture Bros episode nine, I think nine or ten. I don't know which one this is gonna play ahead of. Um, it's your host, Jordan Walker, along with special guest, Anastasia Klosterman. I've been wanting to interview her for a little bit, just cause she's in, she's just finished her degree in the field that I want to get into. She's a civil engineer. Uh, what, uh, specialty or like niche are you in, in civil engineering?
1: So I'm going down towards like more of a water path, um, but our program is just kind of, like, very general. That's kind of, like, one of the things um, the University of Georgia is kind of, like, proud of, I guess. Uh, we do have more of an infrastructural kind of track. A lot of, like, the main people over our program are very, like, concrete lovers, yeah. <laughs> that kind of side. Um, but I kind of found my home in more of the water area, uh, just like, like clean water systems. Um, the research I do with the university is more like marine biology, Okay. Um, but it still follows under, it still falls under the civil engineering field area. So it's kind of cool what you can, our degree, you can kind of just take it and turn it into whatever you like.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because when I thought of civil engineering, I got, I wanted to get into it because my family from my mom's side, they built houses. My granddad had his own construction company. He taught his sons and his son-in-laws the trade. He never had a formal degree. He kind of grew up in that time where grandparents didn't finish high school and just had to start working, and he ended up developing it to a point where he built most of the city that he's from, and we have a large plot of land where if any of us just wanted a house out there, he built my aunt a house, built my uncle a house, and these aren't just simple houses. They're really nice houses. All of them Mm -hmm. are paid off. All of them are on our land. And it turns out that saves a lot of money, not having to pay for plots of land, not having to get, uh, not having to get in contact with the mayor for permits to build on lands. And all you have to do is just, and that was just so great to see, like when we were kids, they got tired of us running in and out the house. So one summer they built us a playhouse that was essentially just a guest house next to the house. They said, (laughs) until we call y'all. Stay out there. Don't keep running in and out the house because we getting sick of y'all, which is a weirder childhood. It's a, like, weirder in a good way childhood, I get, But I love seeing stuff like that. So yeah. that's all I ever thought was civil engineering. But once I started looking into it, it goes into, like, water structures, like you said, the roads that are built on the streets, the dams that mm-hmm. are built, the hydroelectric plants that are also facilitated the blueprint engineers who get down to like the small stuff on the inside that's hard for me to do the math for because those guys are super smart it's a a super vast field that you can get into that could take you really anywhere in the world
1: yeah engineering alone is very um is very easy easily traveled and then is kind of like shaped into whatever you want i know people who um, I went to school with that are going to law school, even though they have an engineering degree. Um, lots of people are going into the medical field with an engineering degree, simply because engineering alone isn't just like just engineering. It's really a way of thinking yeah, more than anything. So when you're taught to be, when you're taught in classes, you're more taught how to solve problems instead of just being like a certain thing, which is a little bit different than just like your typical degree I guess um, because you're not studying or practicing for a specific position or a place or a thing you're kind of just it's very general um, so usually when I meet people in college who don't know what they want to do in life I usually just tell them to like be an engineer <laughs> <laughs> I'm like if you can if you could just deal with the classes I mean it is a little bit hard but I think people People exaggerate, in my opinion, about how hard it is. Yeah. Um, I really think it's more like time. I think college in general is hard just because you can get so easily distracted and um, you can things can easily take a turn for the worse at any time um, in any life, really, not even just college. Yeah. So I really think if you just focus and, like, pay attention, it's, it's really a breeze <laughs> in terms of I don't feel like it was any – harder or easier than any other program, I guess. I know it is one of the harder ones at the University of Georgia, but I guess, like, in my experience, I wasn't, like, totally sold that my degree was substantially
0: harder. Right, right, right. I gotcha. So, first question to get into the role of it, uh, tell me about yourself, your background, a little bit about your life.
1: So I um, we grew up in the same area. Yeah we so... same school <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same school um, the Clayton County area uh, and I grew up there pretty much all of my memorable life. I um, I went to elementary school there. I like I went in that same that entire area my whole whole life pretty much. I moved I was born in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents had me at, at 19 so my mom moved us to Georgia, and my dad lived in Florida, and when I was in Georgia, so from the age of four to the age of 18-ish, pretty much, so college, Yeah. Um, I lived in the same house uh, in Clayton County, Yeah. and it was basically just um, my, like, everything in that area was just kind of my life, it was normal to me, I remember growing up and it kind of getting to the age where it seemed like all the white people were leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: we all remember uh, we, that weird phase. Yeah. Like you didn't notice it as a kid or knew why yeah. it all happened, but you just kind of seen right. it.
1: Yeah. Like looking back on it now, it all makes sense. Cause it's kind of like, that was, that was the time that we were losing our accreditation. Yeah. So, um, everyone was leaving because we weren't going to be an accredited school anymore. <laughs> uh, and there was the huge scandal with, you know, the testing. So when I was younger, um, my parents decided to stay and keep us there mm-hmm. um, because they wanted, they didn't want to move me out of what I was comfortable with. Because in elementary school, I started dancing. It was kind of when I introduced myself to, like, dance. But it was, you know, like an elementary school team. So it was pretty basic. Um, She's really good at then, dancing,
0: by the way, guys. Yeah. I... <laughs> No lie, on the dance team, she I always like. I I think you were two grades behind me, and I just like Mm -hmm. noticed you because you were like the only not black girl on the dance team, and you were (laughs) you were killing it. Like it wasn't even just like okay, she's all right. Like nah, you were bodying the hell out of that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Well, you missed my best years then, because you if you if yeah, if we're two years apart, you missed my captain and co captain years, which were probably substantially better than than what you actually got to see but basically I started my (laughs) I started my dance journey in elementary school and that's kind of why my parents didn't want to move me. So I went to Kemp primary, Kemp Elementary. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I got to Lovejoy Middle is kind of when I got into I guess more of like the H B C U style major at dancing. And then by the time we got to Lovejoy High School, you know, the accreditation was fixed but the damage was pretty much already done to the community in terms of the economic downfall, I guess. Yeah. So that's when um, somehow I ended up being the only Caucasian female pretty much in our in my grade. Yeah, I could, and, I could count
0: y'all on one hand out of all the love jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and that's kind of just, it was just my life. And it wasn't weird to me necessarily, but uh, anytime I spoke to anyone about it, it was kind of like, brought to my attention that it wasn't normal um and i knew it because besides my family i didn't really know many caucasian people at the time Mm -hmm. so my my family would make me pretty aware like my extended family would be like they gotta get her out of that school you know um (laughs) because my mom is definitely the black sheep of her family kind of like i am on my dad's side of the family yeah and so my mom didn't see any problem with it my siblings are my stepdad's filipino so my siblings are mixed and it was never really a big thing to me. She always, now I wasn't raised under the president of like race doesn't exist. My mom was very honest with me. Um, but I was never raised in thinking I couldn't be with who I wanted to be with or anything like that. Yeah. So I really felt like I was lucky in that area. But when I looked at colleges, um, I got a few offers to dance and be be paid for through HBCUs. But, um, I don't know even how UGA happened. Like when my mom, <laughs> when we went to tour, like Lovejoy doesn't tell you about PWIs. Like you don't
0: No, not at all. You don't,
1: you don't know about, um, like big schools like UGA or, I mean, we're aware of Georgia state because
0: it's Georgia like state, it's, like Bulldog, Right. <laughs> shit, that's everybody's shit.
1: Yeah. So I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, you were always taught taught more about, like, the schools in Atlanta and things like that, but um, it, our main focus of our high school was kind of, like, those HBCU schools, mm-hmm. um, and I just decided to tour UGA because um, I knew that it it, my mom kind of, like, worded it as, like, it's the school of Georgia. Like it is the university of Georgia. So you have to see it. You know, like she was like, you might as well see the school. So I went, my mom didn't even come with me cause we were sold on the fact that I wasn't going to pick the school. Like <laughs> it wasn't on my radar at all. We were like, we're just going to tour it, see it, see like what it, what it's talking about, whatever. So my dad ended up going with me. And I, I completely fell in love. Like I came home that day and I was like, well, this is the one, like <laughs> this is the school. <laughs> And my mom was like, I didn't even go? Like, I don't even know what this school looks like. She was so (laughs) upset. Um, But I ended up being there, and it was a huge culture shock for me uh, in a way that I don't think I expected. I had never been in a classroom full of white people before. (laughs) I had never been in groups with white people before. And I didn't think it would be that different because I had white family. I I am white, but then being in those – it's almost like they could smell that I was different. (laughs) Like, they would just (laughs) – they they would immediately, and it's funny because they would talk to me and we would talk and then somehow it would come up like that I had a black boyfriend or what school I went to and they'd be like, oh, that's what it is. Like, that's what's different about you. And I'd just be like, like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, that, something was off about you. Like, we couldn't figure out what it was. Like, it's almost like the entire group was trying to decipher what was wrong with me. Um, yeah,
0: like you were a feral I wasn't. cat. Like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> Like I wasn't the the typical um, the typical Blonde formula white girl. for a white girl, yeah. So and then that's when I mean I obviously didn't find my home in the white community at the University of Georgia, but um, Rashad Pierre, who was also in the band with us, yeah, I remember. You know he's yeah he's Haitian, and um, so he was a part of the Caribbean Student Association because he went to UGA as well, mm-hmm. and he kind of like introduced me there and. Next thing you know, I'm basically back at Lovejoy because I am (laughs) the only, the only Caucasian female in a group of Caribbean dancers. (laughs) And then the rest is pretty much history. Just kind of stayed in that, um, pretty much expressed myself through dance with the Caribbean Student Association, which was totally different than majorette style dancing, but so interesting at the same time. Yeah. And then, um really just dove into engineering. My last year I like solely focused on engineering. I haven't danced in like the past year, which is really strange. (laughs) Um, But now I'm a graduate and going to get my master's, so we'll see kind of how it goes from there. I plan to like keep in touch with dance, but I'm pretty much full-fledged engineering right now. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's amazing. It ain't it ain't bad switching up, uh switching up the directives. And you already have like the work ethic in you, because as much as for I, I could say like being one of the black people at Lovejoy, for a blonde-haired white girl to be the captain of the dance team at Lovejoy, <laughs> and it's not even like Lovejoy was like 50-50 or like six nah, it was maybe like 85 plus percent black. And then the rest of the right. 15%, like there, I don't think there was a dominant, I think actually now I'll take that back. Maybe 80% black, 15 to- You had a lot of his- Yeah, a lot Hispanics. of Hispanics. <laughs> and like between white people, Asian people and other, like, cause that Indian, like y'all were y'all own little, like maybe 2% of what Lovejoy was, what the community for you to even do that. Like I already knew you had work ethic in you. And that's, that's yeah. weird to hear. That when you went to UGA, it was a com- like when you were around other white people, it wasn't like just a natural click on like it is a very taut thing that people are, oh, this is the characteristic of this area. This is a- like because we don't we don't see that much coming from like South side of Atlanta, like South Atlanta right. is very black, like I don't run into that many all the white people that I do run into are generally like everybody else. There's not that much of a difference, but you could tell the difference when you go to like Alpharetta and people kind of just like notice like, you, you notice the subtle differences in how people speak to you. Like the way I describe it to people is And it's kind of funny. I call it like slick racism. And it's just like the polite style of racism Mm -hmm. where they're overly polite. And I hate that shit so much. Hey, (laughs) how are you doing? Like, bitch, I'm not a child. Like, I'm fine. (laughs) Right. Just because we speak. And that's weird. Like when you went there, it was just as weird to you as it would be for any black person that's immersed in a completely white environment. You just went back to what you were comfortable with. Cause their vibes and I could say I've been around some white people and their vibes are suit. And it is, they have that real sly shady. Like it isn't even like racist. It's just their personalities. That's just how they are. Like they talk under their breath or they, you know, throw light shade, but at Lovejoy, there is no light shade. You say exactly what you mean very directly. Yeah. Like, like yeah I, I
1: and I think I've talked to it cause my, it's funny cause when I got here, my roommate is, um, She's she's black, but she's looks more like her. She's very deep Native American heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, when you look at her, you think she's Native American, but she grew up in a predominantly white area, which I I feel like is a little bit more common at UGA. You meet a lot of people. Like I can count on my hands how many people I met from like Clayton County. Yeah. Um, and so I, me and her share our experiences often with one another because she is so comfortable in like. Like, to her, she was raised with the mindset that, like, white was beautiful. And, like, she, she flat ironed her curly hair because she wants to, you know, because she, she was raised pretty them. much. Yeah, because she was raised where she was picked on for it. While me, I'm, like, I was always raised under, like, the impression black was beautiful. And not just because, like, people said it or anything like that. Just because, like, I thought my friends were beautiful. I, you know, I thought everybody around me was Like beautiful. I didn't really, so it's kind of funny because we'll, like, I'm always like I'm so pale and my hair's so flat and she's like I want your hair and I want your, (laughs) I wish I was, you know so it's kind of funny how because we were immersed in different environments how we've kind of labeled like, for instance, during the election her timeline on social media was totally different than mine. Yeah. Like, my timeline I was like, Trump's not gonna win. Her timeline was like oh, Trump's winning. Like, so when when Trump went for, won for for me, I was like, what happened? For her, she was like, what do you mean what happened? Like, it, it's right here. <laughs> like, she had all of this, like, set up pretty much that she knew this was happening, and I had no idea, like, completely. Yeah. Because all of my, kind of like all I see on my timeline right now is pretty much Black Lives Matter. I don't see any of the, I run into the backlash from, like, things that were reposted. Like if you go on the comments of something, you'll find it. But for me personally, I didn't have a lot. I don't have a lot of friends that are posting different opinions. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Um, I feel that. Yeah. out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, most of the people who I've ha- run into issues with have been family. Um, simply because I am still white. You kind of can't get away from those deeply rooted older white people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I am somehow related to those people. <laughs> So um, I, you know, I ran into that fair share, but my mom raised me to be respectful, but also to, you know, stand by my opinions. So, you know, they kind of came and went pretty fast, (laughs) especially since they think because I'm, you know, they think like a young girl should just, if they align themselves with those beliefs, they usually also believe that like younger people should just bow down to the older generation but
0: yeah they um, have a real that's i think that's every old person's mindset like yeah, yeah. Y- y'all don't know nothing it's like nah bro right right Y'all di- right like
1: y'all don't know anything you just need to listen to me so i can teach you how to like do everything yeah. and it's just like ah.
0: yeah we'll teach y'all how we did the 70s and how well we did it okay okay
1: right like oh you mean the, se- the times that we changed everything from what y'all did oh Thank you for, yeah like, yeah hey. Yeah,
0: thanks for that.
1: Yeah, I The fuck?
0: <laughs> you y'all. did a real good job. <laughs> you guys did great.
1: Um, yeah, okay. so I, I, it was definitely a huge culture shock, and it's kind of funny to share those experiences with my roommate specifically because she did come from a different area. And then um, my, my boyfriend, who I ended up, you know, being with and living with as well, he also is from our area. Uh, Ira yeah. marched in the band too, so like we all grew up in the same place, the same mindset. Like my our skin might be different, but in terms of like our ideology and similar life experiences were the same. Because I mean, realistically, our experiences aren't any different until you get into the real world. You know, like growing up in high school,
0: it was all the same.
1: I probably yeah, like I probably experienced more of the minority experience in high school than a lot of our high school counterparts did, you know, yeah, cause we were all love
0: joy for sure. I remember yeah. getting on the bus and the new white kid again. I felt so fucking bad. Cause as soon as he <laughs> snowflake, I'm like, Oh shit. God damn. Let the nigga at least so... breathe first.
1: <laughs> yeah. So growing up, I probably, it was kind of funny to share because I probably experienced being a minority in my life, but a majority outside of our little bubble. Um, more than anyone else did. And then I think it was a little bit more of a. Some, I mean, some people probably still haven't really experienced it because a lot of the people we went to school with either stayed in Lovejoy or went to HBCUs. Yeah. And they didn't really, you know, see that change. And, I mean, of course they run into it in daily experiences in life all the time. Like, you can't really run from it. Yeah, not at all. But, yeah, in terms of being, like, completely immersed in it, um, I felt like growing up, we... You didn't really leave lovejoy much. I mean, I feel like the only times we really felt it were when we traveled to like white schools uh, for yeah. band. And then you would, when I was there, I probably got picked on just as much as everybody else because I'm, I was white, but I was like a, a broken white person <laughs> or like a, like a tainted white person. Like people would call me like Miley Cyrus from the stands or like yell like Jungle Fever or even the fact that my nickname in the band was Hustle and Flow. Like it was, I was probably more reminded that I was white than everyone else was reminded (laughs) that they were black. Um, And that was just kind of like our experience growing up. So when I went to Love, when I moved out of Lovejoy, uh, it was really weird for me um, because I had to, I felt like I had to introduce myself to everyone all over again. Like it was, it was expected in high school. Like, everyone knew who I was. Um, no one questioned my motives when dating black men. No, you know, no. like...
0: You still no had the one... same one the whole time. It was like, okay. <laughs> no it's
1: one uh, saw... <laughs> no one saw me um, dance and think, like, oh, this is about to be a hot mess. Like, everyone knew who I was already. Yeah. Uh, and then when I got to college, it was like I had to start all over. Like, I had to reintroduce myself. I had to kind of explain to people that I wasn't what they what I appeared to be <laughs> um
0: that must be so was weird to try to like explain to people like look <laughs>
1: yeah like I don't want to say I know but like I know <laughs> <laughs> I like, like, I I remember meeting like the so the black community at UGA is called Buga. that's um what is that mean? yeah like black UGA so oh. like we go to UGA okay. so Uga, and then they just put black in front of it, so like black Uga. Okay. Um. Creative. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it got there, but that's what they told me they were, no. and that is what I call them. No, <laughs> so, really. um, so when I first got to school, um, Buga usually has like a group chat that they start with, and I was literally already added to it. So like, there's like, three hundred black students from all over that are, you know, like in the class of which at the time was 2019 um, because I took five years to graduate in my program. But so the class of 2019 um, group, I was the only white female. Like it was like high school all over again (laughs) Um, because I had just left Lovejoy where there was 450 of us that graduated and I was the only white female. So then I get added to this group again and I'm like, here we go. My mom's going to be so proud. (laughs) Um, And then I – just kind of had to, most of the people knew me, but I mean, you still run into people around campus. Like there's no way you're going to cover every base in a. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands of students. Um, so there was, I remember meeting people and just having to explain, like, I, it would start by like them mentioning like something and me being like, Oh yeah. Like I know what that is. And then them being like, are you, you sure you know what that is? And like, yeah. Like <laughs> you think, I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Or like, I had my recent internship, the president of the company was black, he was African, and they were serving jollof rice, and I was like, someone was asking what it was, and I like answered for them, like, I was like, oh, it's jollof rice, and he was like, what do you know about jollof rice, (laughs) and I was like, well, like, little do you know, um, like, my best friend and my boyfriend are Jamaican, I, my roommate um, in college was Nigerian, like, I have tons of African and Caribbean friends, so, like, it was just normal for me. Yeah. And it's usually, like, a shock to people because it's not normal necessarily.
0: Oh, no, I can see that for sure. Well, what were you about to say? I
1: think we're lagging a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think we're back now. I forgot now. (laughs) (laughs) If it comes back up, feel free to interrupt or bring it in. Uh. The next question I think was uh why yeah, you're fine. what made you choose like UGA over the other engineering schools in Georgia like Georgia Tech or Kennesaw State?
1: Yeah, so I um I looked at all the schools when I applied. Um, I really didn't want to stay in Georgia, but the HOPE scholarship is kind of a good sell, so it's hard to not take that up. Um and so I ended up looking Well, my my first acceptance is from, like, Alabama, University of Alabama, actually, which is kind of funny. Um, I ended up going to UGA. But um, I got into the University of Alabama. I looked at the University of Auburn. Um, I did look at Georgia Tech, and I looked at Mercer Mm -hmm. and Georgia Southern were the schools that I looked at. I think I looked at Berry College, too. I looked at a lot of schools. (laughs) Um, I knew that... I wanted to be an engineer because um, my grandfather was an engineer. My stepdad's dad was an engineer. And then um, I went to a DeVry conference through um, a women's conference. And there was a woman who was an engineer. And I was like, I want to do what she does. So I pretty much stuck on that after that. And um, I didn't want to go to tech because it was too close to home. Yeah. I wanted to get away from Atlanta. Um, I didn't want to go to Lovejoy University. Like <laughs> I wanted to get out of here. Um, so that's also why I wasn't really interested in Kennesaw because I felt like a lot of people from Lovejoy went there too. Yeah. Um, Georgia Southern just didn't have at the time. Georgia Southern was joining with another university for their engineering program, and I didn't want a connected program. I wanted in like an immediate program. Mm-hmm. So kind of I wanted a program in the university, not a program connected to another university, Um, which is also why I didn't go to Barry because Barry College was a program connected with tech. So I would have gone to Barry for two years and then gone to tech for two years, which um, I just didn't want to leave the I didn't want to spend like split up my time between the place that was supposed to be my home. So I ended up narrowing those down. Um, I really liked Mercer but it was expensive and um, I actually didn't get in. I got deferred for Mercer mm. um, but I, I got in everywhere else so I went and it's funny because I got deferred for UGA as well and um, because I applied early admission, I am not a good test taker. I don't know why I applied early <laughs> because I did not have good test scores. I'm a really good, I have a really good GPA and I could like write myself really well. But in terms of like standardized testing, not my thing. Yeah. So I, when I was deferred, I wrote in my essay, um, one of the English professor, well, professors, English teachers at Lovejoy helped me kind of like write about my experience. So write about being the minority, but being a majority, you know, Yeah. and, um, that was kind of my essay I submitted to the University of Georgia, and it was funny because me and one of my cousins applied at the same time. My family always, my family on my dad's side kind of told me that, like, I should prepare to be denied, basically, <laughs> because my cousin went to a better school than I did and because uh, she grew up in a better area, you know, quotes around all of this. Um, she grew up in a better area, and there was a better chance of her getting in, and I got in, and she did, uh-huh.
0: so oops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which uh, her and I have actually grown like closer now. So at the time we didn't get along as well. So it was a real triumph for me. But now that we're like grown and adults, it's it's we both ended up where we were supposed to be for sure. Yeah. But um, I just gravitated towards the University of Georgia immediately. Um, they do really well at selling the school in terms of like you cannot beat the feeling of an SEC football game and an yeah. SEC football school. Um, and I mean, there's only really one of those, I mean, tech's technically like tech is, ass. you know, tech has <laughs> tech is, yeah, tech but like, sucks. you know, <laughs> tech is trash. They're, not, they're not actually good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like the atmosphere they just sell you on the campus is beautiful. Um, I really enjoyed being a part of a program that was growing, uh, because the biggest, the biggest fear mongering with like big schools is like no one's gonna know your name they tell you that no one will know your name
0: oh your signal's going in it's and all out in-
1: oh can you hear me
0: yeah it was like doing that weird lagging okay we're back you
1: won't be able to get help and i never had that problem always asked for help when i needed it and i'm leaving the college essentially with sometimes it doesn't help
0: (laughs) right right are we good yeah i think we're good now it was doing like a lot of in and out hello i can (laughs) (laughs) no you're good now it had like a weird little laggy sense Cool. Cool. Yeah. UGA and can you hear me? Yeah. I, I, I can hear you now. Uh, yeah, I was right now I'm getting into the like scouting process of figuring out what school I want to go to, um, getting out the military. I'm going part-time oh, military Lord. and, um, it's kind of annoying cause I like working ahead of schedule. I'm a real productive ahead and that does that's not a thing with colleges it's like this is when you could put in your application okay fuck you if you don't want if you want to put it in early (laughs) yeah going through the process is super weird uh can't really do anything this early into the year for 2021 spring semester but and i'm like you i suck at taking tests luckily i got my associates in the air force so i could just give them those transcripts like look i proved myself in this i'm not taking i'm not taking the sat i have never taken the sat or act thank god i joined the military because that saved me so much of a headache because i could take college at my own pace here but right yeah that I, i feel you on the whole transition just trying to figure out what school you want to go to because i'm kind of going through it too i don't get to do tours because corona ended the world right. so i can't do anything yeah. even if i came back hopefully it's all open again around october when i come back because i'm gonna go to each school just to like tour the campus a little bit i i don't care about the uh atmosphere as much because my atmosphere mm-hmm. from being in the military has gone from negative 60 degrees in Alaska to 120 degrees in Turkey. So I really don't give a fuck anymore Like <laughs> as, as long as it has air conditioning and a good bathroom and a place for me to just like be in a quiet area, I don't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone finds their home um, kind of navigating what the best place is for them. So whatever fits you, honestly, like no, no one place is going to fit everybody. So
0: yeah, for sure. It's all going to be as unique as your palm. So what are, what are some major goals you would like (laughs) to accomplish as an engineer, just personally?
1: So, um, I, I'm a planner. I have a few options in terms of future employment. Um, And we'll just kind of see with COVID, of course, everything has changed for me as well in terms of what companies can hire, what companies can't hire, essentially for some of the goals I have in the future. um, I don't really know where where I'm going to end up in terms of companies with everything with COVID um, has shifted a little bit as well because some companies aren't able to hire new grads yet. Yeah. So everything's kind of up in the air in terms of where I'll end up, but a few good relationships with companies, so I'm pretty sure it'll all work out. And um, I really just plan to move as far up as I can. Um, It is one of my personal goals to advocate for people of color being hired in my field, uh, no matter where I'm at. But I've always been blessed with being at companies with people who also have those goals. Mm -hmm. So um, all the companies I've worked for have aligned with me entirely and um personally i want to definitely make a scholarship for a more of a need-based scholarship but less based on i guess like what your parents make because some parents don't actually support their children in college um not because they don't want to but because that's like a personal decision they've made and i kind of ran yeah i kind of ran into that issue um, my mom lost her job my sophomore year and based on like your taxes, it looked like my mom was still making tons of money, <laughs> but she actually lost her job. So I didn't qualify for any need-based scholarships for years is able to help a student similar to me that's in need kind of like an independently funded student, preferably in the engineering field, but personal goal of mine. I don't know if I'll be able to fully fund student, but maybe at least like give them a couple thousand dollars. Not <laughs> that, uh, one of my other goals I had for the university in general, for my university, was to um, buy out some of the um, Confederate-related names on campus. But with all the pressure that's been happening lately, um, that looks like that might happen already. <laughs> so um, that's kind of good. Look into affordable clean water in general for other areas in the beyond the united states is kind of like a goal.
0: word yeah and with the degree in the field that you're in i can see how that links really well to trying to clean up the infrastructure of a lot of america's clean water systems and like you said there's in america there should be little to no excuse as to why the water systems are just this bad those are two really good goals and yeah. The one I, I've seen you post about the one with changing some of the Confederate names, schoolhouses at UGA, but a lot of that is changing like really rapidly.
1: Well, yeah. Students have been petitioning for changing the we've, there has been a signed petition every single year at the university of Georgia that I've been there. I've signed it every year. and <laughs> They have been petitioning to change these names for years. Um, and then all of a sudden, Like last year, I was in the Student Government Association. I was on the Senate. So that's like where everything is voted in or voted out, essentially, just like our government. And we had a bill that was shut down by the administration that was essentially asking to rename certain areas of campus um, based on their deeply rooted racist roots. Um, And it was immediately shut down just like it was every year and then here we are again yeah all of a sudden not even a year later people
0: sprout a fuck to give now it's just like it was this easy to
1: now now there's a flame under everyone's ass and they're all ready to save it and it's so funny because on like heck i was on twitter yesterday and the university of georgia released an official statement because it's not even uga it's usg so the university system of georgia so every georgia school that is a public school is going to be changing any racist names that they have, or it's under investigation. So we'll see what happens. But um, all the donors, all these, like, old white men and old white women, which are the real reason Why the names changed, were never changed. Yeah. yeah. They come out the woodwork saying, oh, so glad I haven't signed my check yet. You know, like, essentially <laughs> saying they're not going to be donors anymore. And it's like, okay. Yeah, thanks for showing Karen. your ass,
0: Karen. Um, nice to know where you're at now. <laughs>
1: Right. And it's just like, I just graduated, first of all, I just graduated from the College of Engineering along with, like, 300 other students who are all starting at, like, $70,000 a year, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure we can make up the $30 donation that you're probably giving to the University <laughs> of Georgia. We, <laughs> like, she's sitting here acting like the University of Georgia doesn't have thousands of of alumni your racist donation will easily be covered by the black majority like that has graduated from our university because um, when these racist teams are pulled our community and our people of color who have graduated from our university are going to feel more inclined to send their children here to invest in our education because they'll feel like they're investing towards something that's actually healthy for their community not for a university that has ignored their plight for years
0: yeah especially in atlanta like atlanta isn't a far throw away from uga that exposure of just the georgia and georgia's a very republican state for georgia to even do that in the first place i was i'm kind of like floored at that on top of schools, and then that's the funniest thing in the world, is, and I, I've kind of done this, I just wrote a paper about uh more of the in-depth parts of black history, because honestly, schools do a really terrible job. Like, I think I...
1: Oh, yeah, we don't even scratch the surface of it.
0: <laughs> but these white people, or just who, it could be black people, too, that's all, because there are the black, and I tell people, color doesn't determine what team you're on. It's not a fucking, like, football game where there's black... <laughs> yeah oh my god she is such a she is (laughs) such an uncle ruckus she everything she says and even if like uh, i could say a decent amount of stuff that she says is accurate but it's irrelevant because it has nothing to do with the topic
1: exactly she has accurate statistics i watched her um debate with t.i
0: Oh, my God. Why the fuck? Um, Can we stop doing that? Can we please stop? Yo, (laughs) anybody from Atlanta that manages to cross by this fucking podcast, stop letting T.I. talk for all of us. He did (laughs) not go to like and I respect T.I. as an artist. He has a very vast knowledge of the criminal system, considering he's been through it a couple of times. And that's, you know, that's a product of your environment type of stuff. Candace Owens, if you're going to sit here and talk to anybody, Talk to somebody that could tell you what a fucking fallacy is. A lot of black people aren't gonna be able to discern what a straw man allegory, which is there's right. this, there's that. He's a criminal. Like she's He's that.
1: The reason, yeah, the reason she doesn't support feminism is she because she believes it beats down men. When it's like it's literally just like people won't support Black Lives Matter because they think it beats down white lives. And it's like, they don't correlate. The whole point is equality. And you think as a black woman, she would understand she, that. And
0: that comes from where she might, and the crazy thing is the NAACP stood up for a dumbass not too long ago. But right.
1: I've seen lots of things about that, but she's clearly she
0: just like. She is what we call a coon. Like the, <laughs> the definition, just because she goes to such extreme lengths. And my point is, are you willing to say the exact same destroying language type of stuff that you're putting on black people about white people? Cause I haven't heard a single thing that she said or used no, a I've single straw man allegory. And that is mm-hmm. the biggest gripe is because most black people are self accountable. We're not going to see our own people break into stores, start riots without a good portion of us, if not more than 50% of us saying, Hey, stop fucking doing that because you're burning your own fucking stores. You're burning your own, Economy, and then most of them weren't even from the area in the first place. So, like, we're self accountable. And Candace Owens is kind of like that special case of the intelligent dumbass that just.
1: Yeah, she's got all the facts. She's super smart. When she was in that specific debate, her facts were correct. I mean, she had some really good points about, you know, the failing education system in black communities, Um, you know, like the you know, situations for families, all kinds of stuff, but then she was blaming it on, like, welfare, and like, the, the correlations just didn't connect like, she was saying there are less black men in homes because of welfare, and you know, black women could get more money for not having a husband and I was like I don't really think these women sign themselves up to be
0: single parents because it's not like like just because they can get a check it's not a cakewalk exactly I don't know if she understands what being a single parent is
1: like applying and also applying for benefits is not easy I mean you could if anyone's learned that right if anyone's learned that through COVID I mean I've seen so many families take advantage of so many families who have been Kind of crapping on our system for years, or now taking advantage of food stamps and unemployment because of what's happening. But a year ago, they um, wanted to
0: get rid of all the systems. They were all supportive. Right. Oh, we're just gonna come out with food trucks or give like rations of right. like MRE style rations. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Like, don't think that's.
1: <laughs> and the good? funny thing is, yeah, I worked at so during all of this, I had to get a job um, with Sam's Club, which is like a huge eye opener. I've worked. I mean, I've worked part time jobs. I've worked retail before. Like that wasn't the the shocking part the shocking part was simply working at a grocery store during a pandemic um and most of the people who used food stamps were white families and um it was just kind of a bit of a shock for me not in terms of like what i stereotyped but just i've always thought white people were totally against it or ashamed of it you know um also because of like speaking to some of my family members about it um, it just seemed so shameful for a white person to have a food stamp card. And then here we are, most of the people Sam, shopping in Sam's Club, spending $1,000 on groceries were wiping their food stamps card, which there's nothing wrong with that. It was just kind of funny to see it first, you know, firsthand, just kind of see the roles switch a yeah, little the bit. the hypocrisy now that, come out. Yeah, now that, you know, the world isn't all rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, um, the world
0: pretty much broke actually... down to what <laughs> a lot of minorities live. And they're like, oh, this this is not okay. This sucks. This, is this what you guys <laughs> right. were talking about? Like yes, I mean, motherfucker. Even
1: <laughs> even unemployment unemployment benefits took forever to get. They were giving unemployment benefits to the wrong people. Oh my god. There are so many issues. <laughs> Our like one, when my mom lost her job, I applied for food stamps, and it was the most. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life for no <laughs> reason. Like <laughs> the system didn't make any sense. If you filled out the wrong like if you filled out a box, it would want you to fill out the same box somewhere else. You were repeating things over and over again. It was so stupid. And then you can't even get in touch with anybody. Oh like, my you're supposed God. to have this caseworker. Yeah. This caseworker is supposed to help you, but the caseworker <laughs> doesn't exist. And <laughs> then you're just like, all right, where are my benefits? Being a college student is even harder because you – it's not like all of our income is reported through taxes or anything like that. Like, we don't make a lot of money. So most people – when they apply for food stamps, the state just checks your money, and they're like, oh, yeah, approved or denied. But when you're a college student, you don't have that You don't have an, yeah. You don't have
0: an income big enough for it to even be yeah. seen by the government.
1: Right. So then when they're checking you, they need all these proof and all of this. And then one caseworker won't need any proof, and then the next caseworker will need tons of proof. <laughs> Heck. Like, usually around this time, I would be reapplying, because they make you reapply every six months, which is a pain. Um, and this year, like, they probably were just like, we give up. We're everybody. Because <laughs> no one's reached out to me. I'm just like, hey, like, it's all the same as it was before, so I guess it's good. But I'm pretty sure I won't be, like, now that I'm getting my master's, I'm pretty sure I won't qualify, which is fine, because I want it to go towards people who need it. But then also, like... It's clearly a system that we need to work... It's not
0: made to actually help people.
1: Yeah, like, if if someone in college has to rely on a state benefit to feed themselves, that's something we should probably look into for our world. Like, (laughs) that's clearly an issue for the entire United States of America, if a college student can't even keep their head above water without their parents being rich. Essentially, you know, like it, they, people don't even understand how rigged the system is when you're in college. If your parents don't pay for a lot of stuff, you're working all the time. If you're working all the time, your grades probably aren't as good as they could be. Um, and then it's just this constant cycle of like, you're working 20 hours a week to kind of pay for rent, but rent's expensive because you're in a college town. So you're paying like $500 Yeah, that never a... made
0: sense either. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You're paying like five hundred dollars for a five bedroom, like for one bedroom in a five bedroom town home. Um oh my God. which means the total rent for the place, which is a piece of crap, is like well over like what,
0: twenty five hundred dollars? Twenty six hundred dollars? Yeah, like
1: and that's just the base. Per month so then what the fuck, you-
0: that ain't even utility. <laughs>
1: yes. Heck, I met a girl who when she was applying to colleges, someone had to help her apply because college applications were like seventy bucks. I mean, my master's application was $75, and I knew I was going to get in um, because someone had already, like, I was in a program that rolled into a master's program, so I've already taken a year of master's classes, um, graduate classes, and I still had to pay $75 to take my the rest of my master classes. Like, it, just, it makes absolutely no sense that applications to get into school and change your life are pretty much like a utility bill.
0: Yeah, that... And you have to do that for multiple schools. If you want to like, just test the waters. Okay. There's five schools I want to get into. I have to pay the application fees for every single fucking one. And it's that, that's just how it is. You're paying about $300, just sending different school. That is sickening. Holy. I,
1: I took, I took advantage of it when I was younger because when I grew up, um, my, like I said, my mom lost her job when I was in college and she was kind of the breadwinner. And, um, when I was in high school I didn't I was I would say I was spoiled. Like I didn't know any of it. I didn't know how much we were paying for college applications. I was just like, I'm gonna apply to this school and this
0: school and <laughs> this school Yeah Yo, <laughs> your mom was like print another piece of paper. My mom was
1: like, Oh my God, <laughs> run up a check. Unplug
0: the computer. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
1: Right. <laughs> um and I just I didn't even know like I didn't realize how expensive the S A T and the A C T yeah, were. You pay for that, um too. Yeah, I didn't know how much the books were. I was kind of blind to the it, and then I got to books. college. and
0: That's expensive. Yeah,
1: too. like all the study books and stuff. Um, um, heck, I'm graduating now, and when you want to be an engineer, you have to take the FE exam. Um, the FE is about a, a $200 exam, and uh, before COVID, it was a requirement to graduate. When, we, when COVID happened, they had to scratch the requirement because none of us could take the test um, because – they closed all the testing centers. Um, and just to, I mean, so I just paid, I am about $30,000 in debt. And to get my degree, I had to pay another $200 to take an exam. That was just my fundamentals exam. A few years from now, so I'm taking my fundamentals in August. I rescheduled it. Three years from now, I'll be taking my, my professional license exam. And it's like another $300. So I just paid... $30,000 for my degree to essentially have to pay another like in total, if you want actual studying equipment, another $1,000 to actually be an engineer.
0: I am so happy. I spent the last seven years in the military. <laughs> I don't have to pay for tuition.
1: <laughs> when I, when yeah. I, go, I that, couldn't do that it.
0: shit Yeah. I, I would definitely say for most people don't think the military is an easy write off in to get in college. This shit ain't really peaches and cream. Like I told you, I like in the last, like I would say in a three year time span, I went from living in Alaska with negative 60 during the fucking winter time to moving to England, which wasn't that bad, even though it rains sideways and it's freezing cold and it looks like Harry Potter all the time. And they were like, Hey, you're getting deployed. Turkey, Turkish summer is fucking terrible. Like I learned in, it's crazy, because I didn't learn that much Turkish, because it's kind of a weird language for English-speaking people, but I learned, yeah, like, it was weird. one thing, the way that we greeted every single Turk we worked with every day was, merhaba abi, chokes a jock, and that means, hello, brother, it's hot as hell, like, that's exactly, <laughs> <laughs> every day, We and those Humvees fucking sucked, it was hot, they blew hot air, which was, I guess, just a placebo for you just to I guess be a little bit comfortable. It was cramped. It sucked. I have back issues and knee issues, and I yeah, it's it's a whole it's not an easy ride off to go to kids co- to go to college kids. I mean, 30,000 for an engineer, that is still that means you had a decent amount of scholarships and grants working with you cuz
1: Yeah, I had um I got I mean, I had hope so that takes off. Hope is definitely slept on. Um I didn't have Zell, which Zell would have covered covered substantially more. And then I did get a few, like, women in tech kind of scholarships as time went. Um, And then I paid for five years. So technically, like, I was, this is a year more. So that's about, I probably would have been a little bit closer to, um, and and, in my last semester, I ran out of hope hours. Because, you know, hope only covers a certain amount of time. Yeah. so, my hope hours ran out. And so, I paid the last semester pretty much out of pocket with internship money I had I had saved up. Um, so, with all of that, it was still, yeah, it was still a pretty decent amount. But for a salary of an engineer, it's going to be easy yeah, for me gonna, to yeah, pay off, gonna, luckily. Yeah,
0: you're going to take that out.
1: But, yeah. But, like, for instance, my like roommate and some of the friends I made who want to pursue more education, interest is still occurring. I've... Accured about $5,000 of interest since I started college. So, wow. I really only have about yeah, I only have about 25,000, but I've already cured about $5,000 in interest. So, that's what's added it up. Um and that's just because I wasn't paying it while I was in college, but I mean, how
0: <laughs> But um right. uh last question to get back on topic cuz we went off into a whole different <laughs> rant.
1: We did. We went on a Yeah, standard. people are gonna
0: be so confused because I'm gonna cut like at least twenty minutes out of that. But um, what advice? No, you're fine. What advice uh, would you have for an aspiring engineer?
1: Um, I feel like a lot of people get um really comfortable with the name of the degree, but forget that a degree and a diploma is only a piece of paper. Um, when you're in college you really need to take those extra steps to pursue internships and to create relationships with companies whether it be through co-ops or internships or research or through campus or community involvement you have to make yourself bigger than just a piece of paper because even though engineering is a big field and it's easier than most degrees to find a job it's still hard and it's still a really big and tough field, um, and I know so many people who have graduated and couldn't find a job simply because there was nothing more than the degree. You have to kind of get out of your comfort zone and and really explore yourself as an engineer because all of these companies want years of experience for entry-level positions now. Um, it's the sad truth of kind of what the world's developed into, so definitely take advantage of every opportunity you're given and use that extra you know, put in that extra legwork to differentiate differentiate yourself. Um, because I'm I'm graduating from college with um, I've interned with four different companies, um, and not even like at like i I've, I've still maintained those relationships with the same company. So it's not like I interned with a different company every summer. I interned while I was in college, so I interned. Pretty much year round with the company in Athens. I um, interned with Duke Energy for a year, and then I interned with Burns and McDonald for two years, and then I also did a Christmas kind of like Christmas break internship with a small company in South South Car- um South Car- Carolina. Carolina, <laughs> Carolina, there it is. I don't know why I just I went brain brain dead. <laughs> South Carolina. Um, So you kind of can, as long as you, and I met all of these through uh, career fairs, through alumni, through, like, they the College of Engineering at the University of Georgia specifically has amazing connections. Like, you just have to take advantage of it. I've heard so many people, like, I've talked to students who, like, complained that our college doesn't do enough. They're asleep because (laughs) our college goes out of their way to provide us. Like, I've been to dinners with CEOs of companies that shouldn't even, like – you wouldn't even think that would take the time, you know, but our university made that possible. And you really just have to take advantage of whatever your university does wherever you go, uh, whatever they make available to you, because you might be sitting at home and, you know, might be streaming The Last Avatar on Netflix. You might not want to get out of bed and (laughs) go to that career fair, but you need to get up and you need to do it. You need to dress professional and you need to make a name for yourself because also that's how you get more comfortable. Uh, my first career fair was a nightmare. My second one was way better. Um, the position that I'll probably be taking after college was from uh, I met my boss at the career fair. She wasn't even supposed to be there. It was fate. I was meant to be there. <laughs> um, you you just never know who you're gonna who you're gonna run into. And even though career fairs all often do send kind of like their they send their grunt workers, like you don't usually run into like someone who's really big. But sometimes you get really lucky, and those are the times that really matter. So you don't want to stay home because you don't typically meet someone important and watch that be the time that you miss up meeting someone important.
0: Yeah, that's great. That, that's great advice. Connections are the biggest reasons why a lot of really high up people get their jobs in the first place or people get their foot exactly. through the door a lot of places like in the military. It, it, it's the same way. Like if you're one of the quiet people who just clocks in, clocks out, goes to and from work, that's cool. But, When it comes down to like when you get out the military and you need a job reference, military has four to six year contracts. We don't have any other experience other than the military, but we do have a lot of people who are in our leadership who do supervise us that get out, get jobs while Mm. we're in. Like I just texted one of my old supervisors and I asked him, Hey, could I use you as a job reference? Cause I'm starting to apply for some things. And he was all on board. He was like, Hey, I, these are all the places I've worked at. These are my managerial positions. This is what I did in the military. These are the, cause he, he's filled out all those applications before. So he knows everything that needs to be put on him. He knows what steps help in what areas. And I have connections to jobs in the, a lot of different states. I could go back to Alaska, which makes a lot of money, but it's really cold. Making those connections and <laughs> right. just getting up and meeting people and learning how to be personable is extremely important. And I think that's something I'm, I think I would do pretty well in college because I'm well spoken, no matter who I'm around, and I'm very open mm-hmm. to everybody. I'm very professional, very polite and still have my own personality. I don't walk around like a robot, like some of these people, some college students that I have good grades and that's all I need. Like, nah, no, bro, you need to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Even though that, I mean, it's, and that's what you run into in the engineering field a lot. That is important. Uh, it is important that you're, you're getting the process behind it. It's important that you're understanding the math behind things, but I think that's the difference. That's, I guess kind of piggybacking off of why I chose UGA, that's one of the reasons as well, because UGA is known for creating well-rounded engineers instead of, like, not to compare against tech necessarily, but tech creates really smart, you know, engineers, but sometimes they don't have the best speaking skills, and since I wanted to go in, I'm going more in the consulting field, um, you have to be a good speaker, and most people talk to me or You know, get to know me, and then they're like, "What do you, you know, what do you do for your living, or what do you plan to do?" And then they find out I'm an engineer, and they're like, "Whoa, like you don't sound like an engineer." Um, And it's because I, I can, I can attest to it. I I had classes with lots of engineers. Some of them do not have the, some of them do not have the communication (laughs) skills that they need. Um, And that's okay, because there are fields, there are areas in engineering that you can go into not needing those communication skills. Like you can be a cad tech, you can be a coder, you can go into those fields if you want to, but realistically with the shift in the world lately, engineering is becoming a lot more social than people expect it to be. And you have to grow those skills. I've met people my freshman year who were very socially awkward that now have developed into these well-speaking people. Now they may not be like someone who you want to put in front of like a thousand people to give a you know national press conference <laughs> or anything like that but they've grown substantially to the point where like these awkward conversations or these lack of understandings that we had when I was like in project groups with them have grown to be really well spoken people who can get their point across and that's kind of what you need to do um, I mean you speak well and I'm pretty sure you'll be you know hardworking trying to get whatever opportunities you can when you you know find your place so I'm not not too worried about you. <laughs>
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm really gonna be freaking out on the inside, but I do, no, I
1: get that. I well. <laughs> I'm still freaking out. On the <laughs> like
0: you got your degree. How did I get here? How, how, I got a yeah. I'm like, okay, I got now a what? job. How did I get a
1: job? <laughs> right. Right.
0: Oh, the, oh, that's funny. That's funny. But uh, that was great. Appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your day. Hopefully, this reaches the right yeah. ear, even if it reaches somebody a little later. Still going to be very useful information. (laughs) I want to get out to the world as much information as possible from people on our level from every facet of life that can help develop them into a better person. And just kind of give them a glimpse into what Lovejoy, for instance, didn't exactly paint very well for us. Because a lot of things I learned after I left Lovejoy, I didn't learn most of what applies to me now i didn't learn in love it was maybe a select few teachers that their teaching style is what taught me more than what they were teaching in the first place and mm-hmm. more of that should be on thankfully stuff like this could just be recorded put on the internet and whenever people want to hear it it's all out for you this has been the culture bros podcast yeah. i appreciate you ma'am
1: <laughs> thank you for having me
0: anytime
1: this is what it sound like when we rollin' our house still open All these people, all the drip, they could feel the ocean They say they can, they say they can tell me what they're smokin' Making waves, making waves, making real commotion This is what it sound like when we rollin' our house still open All these people, all the drip, they could